And it's really good to be here with all of you this morning. And my time at Rock Hill has been such a blessing. So next week will mark four years of us being in Duluth, working here. And it's been just an incredible time. Yeah. And I just want to say we're super blessed. My family and I, we love Duluth, but more importantly, we love this church. We love the people who are a part of this church. This is our family. And thank you so much for letting me serve you um, these past four years. I did want to start and just give you a little bit of a look into what youth group is all about because I know it can be kind of this ministry that maybe you don't have kids in youth group or you don't see what we're doing. So I wanted to share a little bit and what better Sunday to do that than Youth Sunday. So here's just some photos um, from youth group. These are two photos from high school youth group. We were commissioning our seniors as a high school youth group uh, last week. So that was us praying for our seniors as they were sharing what God's doing in their lives, and then we also have high school worship each week as well. This next one, you see the middle schoolers just talking to each other. We're all about community, good stuff. And then the high schoolers, we made homeless kits for the homeless. We're talking about sharing the gospel in our community, and we wanted to help them do that in a practical way. Um, here's our group photo from District Blitz about four weeks ago. That was a fun time. We brought about 50 students to this big youth conference that was at the deck. Youth groups come from all over, and it was so, so fun, and God moved in so many ways. Uh, one of the cool things we believe at high school and middle school youth group is that we want students to feel empowered to share the gospel and to um, take the lead and learn some leadership stuff. So we let students do announcements at all of our programs. Here's Annabelle and Josh doing high school announcements, and then Keaton and Lily doing middle school announcements. Always fun. They make it very interesting every time. Uh, there is Sam doing the birthday wheel. On your birthday, you get to spin the wheel. Super fun time. Win a prize. And then there's a picture from our very chaotic yet very good Nerf War that we did a couple months ago. We had like 85 students sign up for that. It was, they, yeah, we got some Nerf guns. It was crazy. Um, fun time. But I just wanted to share a little bit of what God is doing. Those are pictures of people smiling, but you don't see pictures of the really good, deep, conversations about God that our leaders have each week. And I also wanted to thank all of our incredible youth leaders. We have about 35 youth leaders who serve every single week between our two ministries, and we're nothing without them. They're amazing, and they give of their time, and they love God, and they love their students. Amen. Yes. So youth group has been amazing this past year, but there is one thing that has impressed me the most. And no, it was not when our high schoolers ate 1,000 pizza rolls in 20 minutes, though that was very impressive. Middle schoolers will do it someday. Don't worry. It's going to happen. I just don't want it all over the floor. Yeah. But what has impressed me most is the way that our students have taken the gospel message and brought it into their schools, into their homes, into their situations. And I cannot tell you how many stories I've heard from just this past year about our middle school and high school students having spiritual conversations with their friends, with their family, sharing the gospel at school, in their classrooms, bringing friends to youth group who have never been in a church before, and so many more awesome things I've seen. 
And so many of those stories have convicted me personally, and I think that it will convict you as well this morning. Because I truly believe in my heart that the faith and the obedience of our students will cause revival in our adults. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So let's pray. Dear Lord, dear Father, God, thank you for this morning. God, thank you that you use all of us, all of us. God, thank you for the middle school and high school students that have greeted us with smiles at the doors, that have led us in worship, that have talked to us from the stage. God, would you continue to empower them and teach them and grow them? God, thank you for the opportunity that we have to love them through our ministries and through our church body. God, as we slow down here and talk a little bit about evangelism, God, would you make us into people that share the hope of Jesus with those around you, uh, us. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So we're going to start off with a question. Sound good? When was the last time that you really, truly shared the gospel of Jesus? And I do not mean the last time you were like, what are you doing on Sunday? Oh, I'm going to church. (laughs) Or when you were just like super nice to someone, that sort of thing. But when did you truly share the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for you? The story of Jesus, right? His life his death, his glorious resurrection. I want you to just take like five seconds, think to yourself, when was the last time you very intentionally shared the gospel with someone? So we're going to do some interaction this morning. It's going to be fun. But to start with that, I want you to raise your hand if you feel convicted right now of the lack of evangelism in your life. Who feels that? I feel that. And then keep them up, keep them up. I also want you to raise your hand if you would like to grow in evangelism. Would you like to grow? Hopefully all of us. So for most of us, I bet that you're reminded of how little you are intentional about sharing the gospel. I know I am. But don't be discouraged, right? This is what we're doing this morning. You're not going to leave here when we're done feeling discouraged because this is what this morning is all about. We want to be real and honest and vulnerable about where we're at, and then we want to ask God to transform us and to move us towards being a people of evangelism. So the title of this message, that if you're taking notes, write this down, is Share the Hope. Share the Hope. Because our job as believers in Jesus Christ is to share the hope that is within us. So this morning, we're going to get a little more interaction, some back and forth. It's going to be super fun. So let's get excited and let's experience the Word of God together. I want you to leave this service today with this phrase etched into your brain and written on your heart. The phrase is, we need to share the hope. So in this message, whenever I say the words, we need to, 
when it makes sense, right? I need you to say, share the hope. Let's practice. We need to share the hope. That's good. Keep that energy too, all throughout. I love it. Cool. So let's grab our Bibles. You can open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter 3, 15 specifically, but we're going to do a quick overview and read 1 Peter 3, 13 through 16. Got to get the context. So this passage is where I got the phrase, share the hope, because this is what we're being told to do by Peter. Now, just to give you a little context of the book of 1 Peter, as you turn there, so the Apostle Peter, he writes this letter, but he writes it a little different than some of the other letters we read in the New Testament. This one's not to a specific church or to like a specific small area, but Peter writes this lesson or this uh, letter to scattered Christians in small communities. So these communities, they were undergoing persecution and facing various trials and challenges as new followers of Jesus Christ. And Peter writes this letter to encourage them and to strengthen them in their faith and to provide guidance on how they should live their lives as Christians in the midst of difficult circumstances. Because you got to think about what the situation they were in was, right? Because a lot of them, Peter, they were with Jesus when he was alive. So Jesus was there, then he dies. And they're like, so they're like, yeah. And then they're like, no. And then he comes back to life. Yes. And then he ascends and he's gone again. <laughs> so these early believers, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Like, how are we supposed to live as citizens of another kingdom, right? Of the kingdom of God. And it's a question that all of us need to ask ourselves to this day. So Peter starts a lot of this out by just telling them some things, right? He goes through a list all before this of here's some things you should do, here's some things you should avoid doing, because he's teaching them what it looks like, what their new identity as Jesus followers looks like, right? He addresses wives, husbands, Christians in general, and then he goes into a section all about, here's the fun part, suffering. And this brings us to 1 Peter 3.15, which is our key verse for today. So like I said, I'm going to read 13 through 16, but then we're going to just camp out, have some fun on verse 15. But this is where we are first told that we as Jesus followers, that we need to... Oh, come on. You got it. Cool. We'll have more opportunities. So I'm going to be reading this passage from the NLT. We'll also look at the ESV in a minute as well, but let me read for us. 1 Peter 3, 13 through 16. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and a respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. 
Then, if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. So this passage is super amazing and beautiful because it's just very direct. It's written very direct to suffering Christians who are trying to figure out how to live their lives. So I'm just going to kind of summary the progression Peter is giving us in this scripture. And then, like I said, we'll camp out on 15. So Peter tells them, hey, because of your new identity, you should do these things. And, he says, do these things. He says, and you will suffer. Yay. (laughs) It gets better. He says, hey, you might suffer for doing good, but, this is the encouraging part, God will reward you for it. That's good news. Because a lot of us, we're scared to share the gospel because we're scared of the suffering or we're scared of the persecution. But we forget that God is with us and that we're actually promised in scripture that he will reward us. And because of the reward, I'm just going through the first part of this verse, because of the reward, He says, you have nothing to be afraid of or to worry about. So when it comes to that suffering, we have nothing to worry about, for God is with us. He will carry us and he will reward us. So then Peter says, instead, right? He says, uh, don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. So don't worry, but worship Jesus with everything. It's easy to worry if you only worship Jesus on Sunday morning, right? But he says, worship Christ with all of your life. So with that established, kind of the progression he gives us that leads into this, he says, do these good things. You might suffer, but it's okay, because God will reward you. So don't worry or be afraid, but worship Jesus as Lord of your life. Then he gets into 15 and 16. Let's read this. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and a respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then, if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. I also want to read 15 in the ESV. It's helpful as well. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you have. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So to summarize all of that, here we go. Peter says that we need to, we are called to share the hope of the gospel of Jesus as believers. And part of what Peter is saying to them is this. He's saying, guys, you are going to live your life in such a way that you are visibly different than those who are around you. That's why he says, if someone asks you 
for your hope as a believer, be ready. Which means people are going to be like, you're different. Why? You are going to, and you need to, stick out because of your love, because of your faith, because of your purpose, because of your integrity, because of the way you treat others, and much more. Because we need to remember the context of this passage. Right? These believers, they are not in this nice established church. They are scattered. They are running. They're trying to figure out what to do. So it's almost like Peter is saying, which might have been discouraging, but encouraging at the same time, he's telling them, hey, you are in a new environment, but you are not going to blend in. You are going to stand out. I remember in ninth grade, we moved from Iowa to Minnesota. Thank you. Great decision. Thank you, God. Um, and I remember I came from kind of a hard situation in high school, some bullying, some depression. So I came into this new high school with this game plan of like, hey, I'm putting my head down. I am blending in. I'm not going to stick out. I'm not going to be the source of any gossip or rumors. I'm not starting drama. Just going to go to class and not really talk much. And a lot of us approach life that way. But Peter says, you are in a new environment. This is a new start, but you are not going to blend in. You are going to stand out. And since the people of God are meant to live set apart as God's people, people would ask them, why are you the way that you are? Why do you act that way? And Peter says, if someone asks, about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And that's basically our main point for this morning. That when someone notices our life, we want them to ask about it. And when they do, we have an incredible opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Because Peter says, they're going to ask, if they ask, you need to share the hope. And guys, these are our instructions. But so often, I'm talking to myself right now, this is me, but so often we don't do it. So often we don't share the hope at all. We keep it inside. So often people don't even ask us about our hope because we're not acting any different than those around us. So often we don't have spiritual conversations because we're overcome by fear and excuses. So right now, we're going to walk through three reasons in the form of questions of why we do not share the hope that is within us, the hope of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. And then we're going to end with an incredible hope. So it might get a little, you might feel a little discouraged throughout this, but we're going to end with the most encouraging thing that you have heard in a long time a hope that defeats all of those reasons. And like I said, we're going to walk through three questions. So I want you to take out some notes, take out a pen, pencil, write these questions down as we go. And then as I'm talking, if you want to, answer those questions. Could be a short answer, could be a long answer. Maybe take this home, think about it, answer tonight or tomorrow. Maybe in your city group, you guys can discuss these questions. But here are three important questions to ask in regards to sharing your faith. We need to share the hope. Question one, 
Do people look at me differently because I follow Jesus, or do I blend in? When people see you at work, at home, how you interact with your family, how you approach a test at school, how you treat your teammates on your sports team, does the way that you live and the way that you treat people Does it demand that people notice and people think, wow, he is not like everybody else. Wow, her love is different than any love I've seen before. Wow, they really sacrifice for those in need even when it costs them. Or they ask questions like, why did you tell the truth when you could have just told a tiny lie to make this all easier? Or, why did you help that person? They got into that mess themselves. They don't deserve help. Because the really hard and honest truth is that many of us, we come to church on Sunday mornings, we pray a little bit before we eat, God bless it, maybe read our Bible. We identify as Christian on the little political check boxes, you know. But if you told someone at work, I believe in Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, they would be shocked. (laughs) They would. They'd be like, what? Because maybe the way that you live your life does not demand that you give an answer for the hope that you have. Maybe it's because you look like the world. Maybe it's because you watch all the shows and movies that the world watches. Maybe you listen to all the songs that the world listens to. Maybe you talk with the same language that the world talks with. Maybe you gossip at work with everybody else who gossips at work. Maybe you grind to get ahead in your business or your job, even if it means pushing those out of the way to get ahead. Because we need to remember that Peter is calling these new believers to do what? To be set apart. Because they are not part of this worldly kingdom. They are part of a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. And Peter says, when you live set apart, when you are different, when your love is changing situations around you, people will ask, and when they ask, we need to share the hope. So I want you to ask yourself, think deeply, write down the answer. Do people wonder what my hope is in based on the way that I live my life? Do people look at me differently because I follow Jesus and my hope's in him, or do I blend in with everybody else who doesn't even believe in Christ? Question one. Question two, good one to ask. What is my hope actually in? This question was really convicting to me. Because remember, this whole thing, Peter says, if someone asks about your hope, whose hope? Yours. Your hope as a believer, be ready to explain it. So I'm gonna be really blunt with you. I think that the reason so many of us don't share the gospel is because we frankly, we just don't really truly believe it or we don't truly have our hope in it. 
How can you share the hope if your hope isn't even in Jesus? Because we as people, we were created to worship. We are meant to put our hope in things. We put our hope in so many things. We put our hope in sports. For example, I should not have put any hope in the Minnesota Timberwolves this season. There's a very bad idea. My hope does not belong there. We put our hope in our job, in getting a promotion. We put our hope in school and the dream of straight A's, in money and investments, in relationships. This person will make me happy. This person. In hobbies, in social media, and in so many other things. And people can tell what you're putting your hope in. For example, I'm a big basketball guy, and I've been spending probably too much time watching basketball for the playoffs. My wife can tell when I'm putting my hope in the wrong things. And this is my question for you, because I promise you're not going to really authentically and truly and honestly share the hope of the gospel of Jesus if your hope is not truly in the gospel of Jesus. But that begs the question, can you share the gospel in a very religious, ritualistic type of way to check a box to tell yourself, I did it, I'm a good person, I can go to bed? Of course you can. That's what a lot of us do every day. But people who truly have their faith in Jesus, hear me, please, people who truly have their faith in Jesus, they do not see people as boxes to check. They do not see spiritual conversations as homework they need to complete. They do not see sharing the gospel as a project that they need to get done. But when they share the hope, they see it as love. They see it as an opportunity that God has given them to share the story and the hope that Jesus Christ came, lived, died, resurrected to save sinners who were destined for hell. That's how we were all saved. Someone shared that hope with us. Because what is our hope truly in? And that's where we need to come back to that all the time. When we worry what our hope is in, we got to figure it out. Our hope is in the saving power of Jesus Christ, in the fact that we have been separated from God because of our sin, that we cannot save ourselves. And I'm going to jump into reading the word because this is beautiful. This is from Titus 2. This is our hope. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works that we have done by our own righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It's one of my favorite passages ever. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, the only one who can save us, 
who can quench the thirst that we all have, who can set us free from addiction, from depression, from pain, from our past, from sin, and yes, even from death. It's Jesus. So if you are having a hard time sharing the hope, you need to ask yourself, what is my hope actually in? And ask God to change your heart so that your hope is truly in the gospel of Jesus. So what is my hope actually in? Our third question, this is a very practical one for us to walk through, is what am I afraid of? What are you afraid of? What are some fears and excuses that you have when it comes to sharing the gospel? Because we all have them, I promise. At high school youth group, we just read through this list of fears and excuses, reasons we don't share our faith, and it was super helpful to identify those reasons why we don't share the faith. So as I read this list, I want you to write down in your notes any of these things that you relate with. When you think of sharing the hope, making Jesus known, what are some fears and excuses that you have let control your witness? We're going to have them on the screen. Let's read them together. Number one, I don't have time to share my faith. Number two, I don't know how to start a spiritual conversation. Number three, I already know that they'd say no. I feel that one. It's not true, though. God's got it. Number four, I'm waiting for the perfect time. And waiting and waiting. Number five, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not an outgoing person. I want to speak with my life, not my words. I feel like a bad example to be sharing the gospel. I have a boring testimony. It's actually a good thing. It's my pastor's job to share the gospel. Not mine. Not true. 11. I don't know how to share my faith. 12. I won't be able to answer their questions. And then lastly, I'm scared of being rejected or looked down upon. Do any of those reasons relate to you? I've related to every single one. Do any of those things have a grip on you and cause you not to share the hope that you have in Jesus? I want you to write down the ones that have impacted you and think of that throughout the week. Pray that God would change your heart. Because we all have those things. And it is so important for us to recognize those things. Right? I look back on my life and I see all the times where I let a fear or an excuse get in the way of sharing the hope that I have in Christ. For example, in college, I worked at an olive garden in Chicago. Fun times. Not really. Um, so Kelsey Oldenkamp was my roommate. Um, and he got a lot of free breadsticks. He doesn't look like it. He's toned, but <laughs> looking good, Kelsey. But at the Olive Garden in Chicago, I worked with a large amount. A lot of my coworkers were LGBTQ+. And I remember that I knew deep inside of me that I needed to share the hope of Jesus with them. And I did not. I did not. I didn't 
because I was very scared. I was scared that they would label me as hateful, that they would mistreat me, that I wouldn't have the right answers to talk to them about this well. And I was most scared that I would misrepresent Jesus to them because Jesus loves them so much and I want to communicate that. But I let those fears cause me to not even have the conversation, to not share the hope that I had in Jesus. And that's something I deeply regret when I look back on it. So I want you to take, as we transition, those questions that we just looked at, and I want you to think about that and submit that to the Lord. But guys, I also realize as we go through these questions and we look at fears and excuses, we look at how our life maybe doesn't look like what it should, that we look like the world at times. We look at how our hope is so often placed in other things. And I realize that we can feel really discouraged right about now. So I just want to kind of end our time by reading a verse, a little section from the book of Acts. If you guys know our church, we're going to start going through a series on the book of Acts in the summer. It's going to be fabulous. This will be a springboard for us. But I want you to remember, when we started our message, I told you that you were going to leave here encouraged. But as we answer these questions, it can feel a little discouraging. So let's be encouraged as we finish. So just some context, similar to Peter, the book of Acts is all about the early church. Right? Once again, Jesus dies, comes back to life, rises again, comes back, and he spent some time with his disciples before ascending. Ascending means he just went back up to be with his father. So in this passage, Jesus is kind of giving them some final instructions. And Jesus tells them, he's like, hey guys, I'm about to go back, be with my dad. I'll be back sometime. His disciples are like, bro, you just got here. And they're like, when are you coming back? Jesus is like, you won't know about that, but I'll be back. Because if you think about it, these disciples, they are probably feeling a little bit like how we feel right now when we talk about sharing the gospel. A little hopeless. Because we answer those questions that I just asked us, and we can feel like, bro, there's no way that I can do this on my own. And they must have felt that way. I'm not good enough for this. I have too many fears, too many excuses. I can't put my hope in Jesus. It's too hard. So Jesus gives them this little bit of advice, this instruction that is going to inspire and motivate us this morning. This is awesome, guys. Acts 1.8, this is what it says. Jesus tells his followers he's about to leave. They're like, Jesus, we need you to be here. He's like, hey, something's going to happen that's actually better, and here it is. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That means Duluth and Superior. Guys, I told you that we were going to end on a very encouraging note. 
So if you're a Christian in the house tonight, this morning, you are not doing this alone. There's hope. You are not sharing the hope of Jesus by your own power, by your own strength, by your own wisdom. But if you are a born-again believer in Jesus, you have been given the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. And like this passage says, the Holy Spirit will help you to be a witness for Jesus Christ. He will help you to tell others about Jesus. He will help you to share the hope. Because you're right, we have fears and excuses. We put our hope in other things, but the Holy Spirit empowers us to be sanctified, to be godly, and to share the hope. So would you join me in being intentional in our lives about relying on the Holy Spirit to help us share the hope? That means we're intentional. Before you talk to someone, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the words to say to that person. Pray that the Holy Spirit will tell you who you need to reach out to, who you need to call, who you need to text, who you need to encourage. Before you have a meeting of any kind or before you talk to someone you're visiting, ask God, what do they need to hear from you right now? and follow God's leading and the Holy Spirit's prompting. And be encouraged that you are not alone. Be encouraged that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses for Jesus. He helps us to spread the hope of the gospel. And only by the power of the Holy Spirit can we truly share the hope. Because as you know, we've gone through it. We need to. We got one, let's go. I know, it's been a couple minutes, so it's all good. I love you guys. I love you guys, and I want to see the hope of Jesus become saturated in this area, in this city. If you believe in Jesus, you gotta realize how powerful the hope that we have is. We have a hope that every person on this earth needs. And there is an urgency to this. We don't have a billion years. The hope of Jesus Christ can change this city. It can transform this world. It can redeem our homes, our marriages, our schools, our workplaces, our locker rooms. I have to be honest, as the youth director of this church, I read a bunch of studies and books that talk all about the depression rates, anxiety rates, suicide rates of Gen Z and the world in general. And it's not good. It's dark. There is no hope out there. And if you believe in the gospel of Jesus, that means that we have the hope that can drive out all of this darkness. But we can't keep it inside. We can't. The light drives out the darkness. There's no room for darkness when Jesus is proclaimed. We have the hope. And let's do this thing one more time, everybody. 
because there's so much darkness and we have the hope and we need to Mm. like that. Let's pray. Dear God, we get, we get fired up when we think about your gospel. When we think about the fact that we are sinners that deserve hell, but we have been saved by your might and your glory, God. Lord Jesus chose to become a servant to save us. He died on the cross for us. He rose again in victory. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would you give us the courage and the strength and the gifts to share the hope in our city? Would you right now be bombarding our brains and our hearts with names of people that we need to share the hope with? And would we feel the vibration of your love throughout our city and our area. Lord, we need to share the hope, but we can only do that with your help. God, thank you for this hope that we do get to share, and would you continue to encourage us and empower us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.